grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and let's keep up with the Windsors. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up With The Windsors. My name's Michelle. And I'm Rachel. Hello and welcome. Well, as you can probably hear, I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm kind of on the straight and narrow now with COVID, but (laughs) thank you for holding in last week. Yeah, so we just want to give a massive thank you to everybody who's reviewed our podcast. We asked last week, anyone new or anyone's listening that haven't reviewed our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, a massive thank you so much. I want to give a massive shout out to Misty C78. She did an amazing review for us. So thank you so much. And she says, I am from the US, but I'm a royal fan. I absolutely love listening to you girls. I like that you give more than just one view slash opinion. And I started listening only within the last month from the beginning. And I'm almost caught up. Rach, that's a lot of listening. (laughs) (laughs) Almost caught up. Thank you so much, Misty. And we also wanted to say thank you to Caroline Bev. I think her podcast review name is. And she said, reviewing from Texas. So hello to everyone in Texas that listens to us. We know we have a lot of followers over in Texas. I'm a huge royal follower and love listening to y'all. Y'all. <laughs> I love it, y'all. I love it. I got stopped by a stranger on a walk once while listening to your podcast. And he asked me what I was listening to because I looked so peaceful in quotation marks. Imagine his face when I tried to explain. <laughs> <laughs> two British girls it. talking about the royal. I also love the time y'all spend talking about the charities and causes from the weekly royal engagements. I think that's super sweet and respectful. I'm not familiar with most of them in America, so I enjoy learning more about them. So Aww. thank you, Caroline. Thank you so much. And Lola13419 said at first, oh, she's talking about the Cambridge painting here with the review. At first glance, I loved it, but I agree. It's not great of gorgeous Kate because it does not do her justice. And obviously Lola's talking about the Cambridge painting that we spoke about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I think it was, yeah. 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 So thank you so much to Lola, Misty and Caroline for your amazing reviews. And it's amazing to have you here, Royal Community. We are so grateful for you being here. If you are a new listener, If you haven't reviewed our podcast before, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, any of the podcasts in which you can subscribe or rate or favorite or add to playlists, please feel free to share, like, and do all the, you know, as they say on YouTube, subscribey things. And we can only do that with the help of you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for reviewing. What have we got coming up in this week's episode, Rach? Cheryl was all the Queen this week. Amazing. Hello, George is at Wimbledon. I know. They've got a quick roundup of Charles and Camilla in Wales because we did mention that we were going to talk about them this week. And also one of my favourites of the week is Camilla turned, well, she's turning 75 this month and we had a documentary and also she's been guest editing Country Life magazine. So that's all coming up and I'm so excited to talk about it. So let's get on with the Royal Roundup for this week. So, Shell, the Prince of Wales was actually in Wales last week. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yes. So, Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall visited the BBC's new headquarters in Cardiff, where we found out that Camilla is an avid watcher of Crime Watch. <laughs> is she really? Yeah. So, she was talking to some of the presenters and she said, oh, I watch this every week. 
I'm not, honestly, I didn't even know Crime Watch was still out. I remember watching it when I was a kid. So if you don't know what Crime Watch is, it was a program that used to be on like a Saturday or Friday night or something on BBC. And they used to just go to crimes that haven't been solved to ask the audience, do they know this person or can they help solve this? Or were you there on this time? So I'm actually quite surprised it's still going on. Yeah. And it makes me wonder maybe when, if and when Camilla has any time, if she listens to um, crime podcasts. Maybe. You never know. Maybe she, like me, started out on podcasts, listening to Serial. You never know. You never know. You never, you never know. know. And then after that, they went to Paul Pye's in a pub in Triorkey where Charles said, I do love a good Guinness occasionally. <laughs> Yes, Charles. Now, I have to say, Triorki, I've been there loads of times. I think my nan stayed there for a bit when she was a kid. And it's very synonymous within Wales. It's a valley's community. And the people there are absolutely adorable. They're so lovely. And it was wonderful to see so many people. There were so many, wasn't there, lying in the streets there to meet them? There thousands, wasn't there? Yeah. Which was incredible because I actually said this on, over on our Instagram at Keeping Up The Windsor's Pod. So follow us over there if you want to keep up with the the Royal News Daily, there was thousands of people lying in the streets. And I think in a way this dispels the notion that Charles and Camilla aren't popular. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are popular, otherwise they wouldn't be drawing in such big crowds, would they? I completely agree. It was wonderful to see them in Wales. It was wonderful for the Welsh people to embrace them so warmly. It, I mean, let's put it this way, Rach. I always love seeing Charles in Wales. He is the Prince of Wales. I think he should live there, but that's my own personal <laughs> opinion. I say it every time he goes to Wales. But it's so lovely for him to be warmly embraced and the same with Camilla as well. Yeah, so we know that they did lots more engagements on this tour of Wales, but we've got so much to cover this week that we're going to leave Charles and Camilla there. And then now we're going to move on to the Queen. So this week, we saw the Queen alongside Prince Charles at Windsor Castle. Now, she presented the George Cross to the NHS. And the NHS is the National Health Service here in Britain. So the George Cross is one of the most prestigious honours that you can be given by royalty, isn't it, Rach? Yeah. What did you think of the engagement? Well, we did actually hear that this was going to be awarded a few months back, which we did speak about in the podcast. And what we said at the time and even now is what's so nice to see is it's ordinary people that were working in the NHS during the pandemic that really was the heartline of the country. And one of the nurses that was in attendance was Mae Parsons, who actually delivered the first vaccine in the whole entire world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing and it was really funny because they all sat for the formal photo and the queen as she does she made little jokes trying to put everyone at ease and she said now don't look too miserable <laughs> <laughs> i love it what I is she like the queen because you can tell like people are just so nervous around her aren't they yeah and she's the only one that can try and like dispel the nervousness but yeah i mean what an amazing award to give out and so thoroughly deserved I think it is thoroughly deserved. However, it just feels very vacuumous to give it to an institution when the people who literally gave their lives and their time with their families, you can't give every single person in the NHS a medal, but I wish they would. It's not something they could put on their CV. I've got a George Cross, yeah. you know? <laughs> so in a way, it's what's the word? It's a token of appreciation, really, isn't mm -hmm. it? Rather yeah. than an actual thing that people hold and carry. So it's lovely, but also it's a bit useless for the, the normal people who work within the NHS. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, but I think it's just a nice way for the NHS to get recognised because there are thousands of people that work across in all departments of the NHS. And like you said, it's it's not going to be easy for someone to be given a St George's Cross, but the whole institution as such, for it to be going for as long as it has been. And this is really the biggest crisis that it's seen since the Second World War. Yeah, it has. Right, well, we've moved on from the Queen and the Prince of Wales this week onto Prince Edward. Where is he? What's he been up to this week? So the Earl of Wessex was in Gloucestershire and he was presenting the Platinum Jubilee Medals to officers and soldiers from the Royal Wessex Yeomanry, which actually he is Colonel in Chief of. And he also visited Bristol Zoo, which he's patron of, and he was there to celebrate their 186th anniversary. Oh, do you know, I remember going to Bristol Zoo when I was a little, little child, like so small. It's just, it's baffling, 186th year anniversary. I mean, I know London Zoo's coming up to 200 years as well. So, wow. Yeah, I just love it. So again, the only gripe is... We need to see more of Edward on the social media, don't we? Because again, it was all over Twitter, but hardly anything on the Instagram. Yeah. Which annoys me so much, Royal Community. It just, it really grates on me. Like, Anne has done so much this week. It was all over Twitter. Where was it on the Instagram? Where was it? Oh, it just really grates me. Yeah. Anyway. Gripe over. <laughs> the thing is, when you're creating these pieces of content, they take a while. So why not populate them on other places? So frustrated. But we had the most loveliest Golden Went anniversary photo released from the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester this week. Can you believe it's their Golden Wedding anniversary, Rach? Wow, congratulations to them. I know. And you know what? I didn't even know their real names. Their real names popped up. I was like, oh, I can't even remember what their real names were. What are their real names? Brigitte, isn't it? Brigitte and Richard, I think. Yeah, and I didn't know this, right? So when it came up, I was like, oh, because I've only ever known them as the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester. A royal fan of I? Like, uh. Uh, but this photo was taken um, at home in Kensington Palace. And for you, you who do not know, the Duke of Gloucester is the Queen's cousin and is the grandson of King George V. So happy 50th anniversary to them. Well, shall we move on to Prince George? Da, da, da. <laughs> what a surprise. I wasn't expecting Prince George to be at Wimbledon. Hey, well, community. I not expect this at all. So we knew that William and Catherine were attending because it was released that they were going to be going. And obviously we knew Catherine would be because she is patron of the Tennis Association. The photo started circulating of William and Catherine. I put one up on our Instagram. And then Claire, who's been on the podcast before at Duchess of Cambridge, Kensington, um, shot up on her stories and said, oh, look, and guess who's attending as well? And I was like, what? I was like, I didn't see that. Oh, you're excited. And I'm not just saying this, Royal Community. I'm, honestly, I'm not. I did actually think the day or so before, when George was William's age, him attended Wimbledon a few times with Diana. Mm. And I thought, oh, George is kind of like around the same age as what William was. And then we saw him arrive with Catherine and they got out of the car and she started greeting the people in the lineup. And she said, oh, this is George. Like, yeah, Catherine, they obviously they know. know who he is. <laughs> they know who he is. <laughs> And William was already there because you heard him talking about the London traffic. And I think he was probably like on another engagement or maybe he was with the other kids or something. When George got to him, he gave him, he bent down, he gave him a kiss and a cuddle. And then he gave Catherine a kiss on both cheeks. And it was like, oh, 
don't really see this side, do we? Because, you know, that's the family side, the private side normally. And um, so that was really lovely to see, wasn't it? It was lovely. And what I loved was it was such a really hot day. So can I just, can I just say before you say anything else? Yeah, go on. The amount of people on Instagram, because I put, oh, it's boiling. How can George be wearing a suit? And so many people message saying, but what are you saying is boiling? Like, Brits <laughs> <laughs> have a thing because we always talk about the weather, don't we? We always talk about the weather because it's not hot here normally. And then we're getting this heat wave at the moment and it's like 30 odd degrees and it's unbearable because if you don't know rural community, we do not have air conditioning in our houses. And not just that, because it's mostly cold here or very mild weather, all of our things are built to keep heat in. So when it is hot here, it isn't just like, don't get me wrong. I've been to places where it's been 32 and 33 and 34 abroad. And it's like, la, 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 la. Like people are getting <laughs> on with their daily business here. Everything is like, oh my goodness. Everything is an oven. You are literally cooking in every place you go. Every place you go. It's quite funny the amount of TikToks I've watched of, for instance, people in America or Australia, even South Africans coming to the UK and saying nobody can ever prepare you for how hot it is here because nothing is built for heat. So everything is just super, super hot. Although we say it's like between 26 and 32, whatever it was last week, it's baking. William had asked George if he was hot and George was just like, yeah, kind of. And Catherine had said, just think of the people who were sitting out in the sun because we're in a very shaded area watching the tennis. And I just thought that was such a lovely perspective to have. Yes, he was wearing a suit. Of course he's wearing a suit. It's Wimbledon. And he was in the royal box. Like there is a dress code in the royal box. There is a dress code. I think I think I thought you looked lovely. Yeah, I thought he did. And like you said, like he was in the shade. Like I'm sure if he got too hot, William and Catherine would have been like, take your jacket off. Yeah. And the worst like, I'm sure there was a fan on the floor. I don't know this for certain royal community. I am literally <laughs> just making this up. There must be like a fan blowing in their direction at some point. Yeah. So it was funny because before the match started, when they was going along in the lineup. Someone asked George who he wanted to win and he said Djokovic. Yeah. And as we know, Djokovic did win. And afterwards, George met him and he got to hold the trophy. Djokovic actually said, oh, would you like to hold it? Passed it to George. And George was like looking at tipped it and Catherine being the mum. And she's like, quick. And William said, oh, don't drop it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really sweet moment because as we know, the whole family played tennis, even little Louis, doesn't he? Yeah. So... As an actual tennis player and a tennis fan, what a great day for George to have gone to witness that. And I bet he went home after and said to, you know, Charlotte and Louis, guess what I got to hold? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I was flabbergasted when Catherine re-wore that beautiful yellow dress that she wore in Jamaica, didn't she? She went to the Caribbean tour. One of my favorite dresses that she wore throughout the whole of the time there. And we've got a YouTube video on Catherine's best looks from the Caribbean tour. And um, it was mentioned in that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was like beautiful sunny day. And she bought the sunshine, didn't she, in that dress? She did. Oh, and it's one of my favourite dresses of hers as well. I loved it. Yeah. And because, again, it was so hot on that day, there was this whole thing of, oh, there's no hats allowed to be worn in the royal box. And everyone was like, it's roasting. Get a hat on. Yeah. And then we saw her holding a hat. And I was like, oh, my God, we need a hat moment. <laughs> I don't think we've had a casual... Catherine hat moment for a very long time. Well, probably since the 10 year anniversary when she was wearing that hat. Oh, yeah. yeah. When? Which is when Hicks and Brown. Yeah. yeah. 
And then we got the shots and she was wearing the hat. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best. And I put this shot on our Instagram and I actually love it. And it's a back shot of her. And the hat has like a bow on the back of it. So chic, unbelievably chic. This whole outfit, I just absolutely loved it. And credit to her. But Shell, what is it about Catherine and polka dots at the moment? And the designer, Alessandra Rich. Don't get me started. I love a polka dot. I love a polka dot. Bring it on. More polka dots, She's please. She's literally gone crazy for Alessandra Rich at the moment. It's all she needs to wear. Yeah, as long as they're not flowers. I'm not a massive fan of flowers. <laughs> I'm all good. Wasn't it funny? The other day I posted the picture of Beatrice and Eda at Wimbledon and I said, oh, I loved the dress. And Michelle was like, that's ugly. No, I said, I said, yuck. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, right, I'm putting this on the story and people voted and they all, no, not everyone, but majority voted for me and they liked it. And I was like, yes. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I wouldn't be seen dead wearing it. I said to Michelle, you probably hate the dress I bought yesterday because it's flowery. So funny. Well, That's us wrapping up the Royal Roundup for this week. We're moving into the Royal News, which is Camilla. We're going to talk about her 75th birthday, the documentary that aired last night on ITV, and also her guest editing Country Life magazine. So let's get to it. So last week we told you about Camilla guest editing Country Life magazine. It's now being released here in the UK. And last night, we watched the documentary as we got a behind the scenes of the making of the issue. I thought it was really interesting that the way it was narrated, the first line that was spoken was, Camilla will be our next queen consort. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's quite a way to start it. So, Shell, what did you think? I really liked it. I thought it was a really good PR piece from the royal family to get people prepared for Camilla being our queen consort. But it's also a way for people to then go out and buy the magazine. So it was like a double whammy. It was like marketing within marketing within marketing. But also we found out some really interesting things that we don't know. Like for instance, at the Highgrove Gardens, Prince Charles has a hidden gnome somewhere in the garden. That's (laughs) something nobody knew before that, right? Throughout the whole of the documentary. And if you do have a chance to see it, it's probably one of my favourite ones of the royal family. We saw Camilla's sister and Camilla's son on camera, didn't we, talking? But what was really nice was not only did it capture some of the beginning moments of Camilla that we might not have known about, like a grandmother, which I think, Rach, if you knew her grandmother, you'd be best friends with her. (laughs) She's like a a proper debutante, bored, like, aristocratic person wasn't she with a third no but I tell you if you have the chance to watch this documentary so Annabelle who's Camilla's sister and Camilla they go back to the house which was owned by their grandparents but when their grandmother passed away they sold the house and now it's owned by another couple who were the biggest like like poshest people I think I've ever seen like speaking on camera I swear this guy spoke posher than Prince Charles. I can't know what's going on. And let me tell you, this is a big country pad. This is a mansion. So what was 12 bedrooms, wasn't it? 12 bedrooms. The estate was massive. Great if you're a kid going here, there and everywhere. But I thought when we saw the pictures released last week, it was her house because I got really excited. And I was like, oh, we kind of see inside Camilla's house. But they were just showing you like, and they were talking about memories of them growing up. 
Yeah, I thought it was nice to go back to that part of their childhood, but also the way the documentary covered the making of the magazine and how Camilla got involved. Because if you don't know Royal Community, Charles actually guest edited the magazine and Princess Anne has as well. Yeah. They both guest edited and the one Charles guest edited apparently was the most successful issue that they've ever had in their 125 years. So Camilla's trying to outdo Charles, she said. She is. And I think this documentary is one way to do that for sure. Let's also put it into perspective. Normal British people, the normal average person that goes to work every us. day. Who's yeah, like us. us. Country life isn't built for us. It's oh, built for people who are super aristocratic, not for everyone. Apart from the fact that Rachel bought a copy. I bought so, a copy purely because it's Camilla and I wanted to read what was in it. You know it's aristocratic, Shell. When the first 20 pages, I'm not even joking, I'm showing Michelle right now, 20 pages is country pads for sale. Not country pads that are like a little two bed up and down, you know, in, in the stick somewhere. We're talking mansions here. We're talking mansions. And then the adverts are adverts like, Bentley and Skinner, which is Royal Wanted by Prince Charles. It's so prestigious for jewellery for the royal family. So what we're saying is this isn't built for the average Joe. The actual readership of this magazine is for high class, really posh, really... What's the word? People that have money. It's for people who have money. Yeah, it was quite interesting, actually, that they chose to base this documentary around creating this edition, which is not the average person. It's not made for the average person. So yeah. I, because I thought that myself, I'm thinking, well, what other magazine could she have edited that would have had a wider reach? Where else could Camilla fit other than this really highbrow edition of Country Life that actually has no bearing on a normal average person? So I guess in a way, the documentary is a way of bringing people in to that, Mm. but still feeling very outsider because I wouldn't necessarily go and buy a Country Life magazine. And for sure, it's £4.50. £4.50 for a magazine. (laughs) I'm sorry. I did it for Camilla. I will not be buying this every single week. Yeah. What is lovely, though, is she has highlighted her charities in this magazine. Yeah. and also, In the magazine and the documentary. I thought that was really great, is that you've got to see the inside of that because they show charities that we've spoken about on the podcast. She was talking about Safe Lives. And I was like, oh, I know what she's talking about. She was talking yeah. about Ebony Horse Club, Battersea. These are charities that she's involved with on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Yeah. And we actually got to see her on these engagements go into I Am exhibition in Manchester, Ebony Horse Club, and the fact that they also brought some archived footage of the Queen and Camilla at Ebony Horse Club in 2011. And also they kind of skirted around the Diana kind of Charles affair thing, didn't they, without yeah. actually saying it? Yeah, because it was this woman was saying basically she was a divorced woman. And it was like she felt she had something in common with Camilla. And then they played clips of Charles and Camilla when they were first dating as such after Diana passed away. But although it was about Camilla and the episode is titled Camilla's Country Life, I didn't feel that we got to really know Camilla that much. Mm. Although they were speaking a bit about her childhood, we didn't really get to see much of her as a person because it was more about the charities that she works with. And obviously bringing these to the magazine. But I think that's the way she wanted it. She's got this big platform. 
it's not all about her. Let me focus it on something that I can bring attention to and use my platform for the greater good. And I think that's what's really great. And especially I have the magazine in front of me. I've not read it page to page, but from what I have read is she's included some great people that I know we've spoken about before on the podcast, which is absolutely amazing. And when she's written the forward for this magazine, she had, says, I have a profound sense of being at home in the countryside. And I think at the heart of it, she is a country woman, isn't she? Well, actually, that's something that I really got from this documentary, that that is such a common value between her and Charles, that that love that they both share of gardening, of being in the countryside, of supporting people who work in the countryside. But I now listen to what you're saying. I do. I completely agree with you. We got a glimpse into Camilla's life, but we still didn't get a glimpse into Camilla from her own words. We heard it secondhand from other people and how she's made them feel and what it's like meeting her. Again, we're still staying on the periphery. We're not allowed in. Inside. Inside, yeah. yeah. So although it was about her and about her work, it wasn't about the woman. Yeah, I totally agree. It was about the persona. It was about the Camilla the role of. I agree. And we got to see a bit of her sense of humour, didn't we? There's a page in the magazine which is called Girls and Pals. And back in the day, they used to put debutantes on these pages. So it'd be the girl of the season. And Camilla put her rescue dogs, Bluebell and Beth. They were wearing pearls, weren't they? <laughs> they were wearing Camilla's pearls. It was so funny. I just absolutely Aww. loved that. And in the episode and in the magazine, there's a feature on Battersea Dogs and Cats Homes. And Paul O'Grady, who we've spoken about before, is one of our TV presenters over here. And he presents this show, which is in Battersea, and it's called For the Love of Dogs. It was great to see Camilla and Paul interacting with each other at that dinner at Claridge's, wasn't it? It was. For the, the anniversary of the magazine, they'd held this event at Claridge's and you could see that Camilla had gone through and spoke to the people who were part of bringing this magazine together. And Paul O'Grady, oh, I just love him. I think he's brilliant. I love him. Yeah, he's just so warm and affectionate. And the fact that he, like, he just gets on with Camilla so well, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell there's a friendship there and it's not just the show. Yeah, yeah. So there was a part within the documentary where the you know, the really, really posh guy that lives in Camilla's grandparents' house now, oh, yeah. he was like, oh, what happened with the story about the teddy bear? <laughs> and then Camilla's sister was like, oh, it was my teddy bear. He was thinking it was Camilla's teddy bear. What happened was Camilla and her sister, Annabelle, when they were really young, had an argument and Camilla buried Annabelle's teddy in the back garden. What does she call the teddy bear? Something like... Tiddy baddie or something. Tiddy, oh, I, I can't remember what it is now. I'll, what I'll do, Royal Community, is I'll find <laughs> out and I'll let you know next week because it was just so funny the name that they named this teddy bear. And didn't she say that she only told Annabelle like the day or so for her wedding or something that where her teddy was buried? Can you imagine instead of talking about like the flowers yeah. and the headdress, by the way, your teddy is buried in such and such a place. Oh, amazing. So basically what we saw for the first part of the documentary is Camilla and Annabelle walking around having like a, a tour of the place. And Camilla made this comment that I could, I don't need a tour. I could walk around here with my eyes closed because I lived and breathed this place when I was a kid. And as they were walking around, Annabelle and Camilla was saying, oh, I've got this in my house. And that remember when there was this picture up on this wall, but that's in my house now. And then Annabelle said, oh, the two sconces, there were two lights on the wall. 
I've taken them off. They're now in my bedroom. And it just reminded me of my mum and my aunties and how they divvied out things when my nan died. And it's just such a lovely thing to hold on to those memories and those items. They breathe a life into your place now, even though they're not in their original states. And yeah, uh, yeah, that is such a normal thing to do. And especially because they sold the property. Annabelle and Camilla actually made a point to say that it was very heartbreaking for them to let go of that place because it was so synonymous with their grandparents. And those are the hard things that you do when you get older. You have to make those decisions. Um, but it was a really big, big place, wasn't it? <laughs> it really right. was, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people make these big, massive claims about Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, being a commoner. And she's not a commoner. She's from a very rich family. But then you see Camilla and she's from the upper echelons of aristocratic families within the UK because she just ran circles with Prince Charles like it was nothing. So I think I forget how posh Camilla actually is. <laughs> we also found out that her favourite um, dinner is a roast chicken. Yay, a roast chicken. I mean, it was posh roast chicken, wasn't it? That I'd like, a lavender. She was a chef at the yeah. Ritz and the recipe is actually in the magazine and it's actually not that hard. Are you going to make it, Rach? Are you going to make it? I'm going to try it, yeah. I mean, I can't eat a whole chicken myself. It's one of those things where you, you make some and then do like little boxes to take over to your mums or something. Yeah. In yeah. the magazine and also featured in the documentary was Philip Tracy, the hat designer. He was the one that designed Camilla's hat that she wore on her wedding day to Prince Charles. And so that was really nice to see. So he's been included in the magazine. And also the florist for their wedding has been included in the magazine as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I have to say, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I'm not a massive fan of that Philip Tracy headpiece at her wedding day. Yeah. I th- it's not my favourite, to be fair, but I think it made a statement, didn't it? And I can picture it now. Yeah. And I think that was the whole point, is that you remember something like that. And that's what yeah. Philip Tracy said, is hats are synonymous with the British. And you've got like a special occasion, you wear a hat. Mm. Well, let's put it this way. I went to California for my friend's wedding and I wore a fascinator and everyone was like, and I got dressed up because it's a wedding and everyone was in jeans and t-shirt. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on? And I also oh, no. went to a wedding in Minnesota and that happened as well. There was even a guy who came in camo shorts because he went hunting that morning. The culture is very different. Um, what I enjoyed seeing was charities and patronages heavily featured in the documentary and in the magazines that she is a part of. And we spoke about Ebony Horse Club and they actually had a clip where some of the kids that were involved within the charity got to go to the Cheltenham horse races and one of the girls actually made a point of saying she's been going to the club since she was very young and she's worked her way up and she actually works at Ebony Horse Club now and anytime they do trips like that it's all paid for through the charity yeah. so I thought mm. that was great because you're getting inner city kids that wouldn't normally have access to events such as this or wouldn't probably ever dream of going to an event like that and they got to be there and I thought that was a great advantage of being involved in such a charity. Yeah and actually on that point there was a gentleman called Harry Parker who'd lost both legs in the war and in talking to Camilla who was I think colonel-in-chief of his regiment she'd I don't know whether inadvertently but she was like why don't you go for drawing lessons at the Royal Academy and he did and he's finding purpose and life with this new avenue that was opened up by Camilla's generosity and and again he's in the magazine isn't he yeah he is in the magazine yeah I think that brings it full circle really because as we said at the beginning although it was about Camilla and it featured Camilla and this edition was guest edited by her if you're buying this magazine and thinking you're going to find out lots about Camilla, 
this is not the magazine for you to read. This is not the mm. documentary for you to watch because it's not about that. And I think that's the whole point is that she's made it not about her. She's made it about everyone else. And that really comes across in the magazine. There's a great section on books because as we know, she loves to read. There's quite a few pages actually in the magazine of books. She's actually recommended three of her favorites. So I've actually read one of them, Where the Crawdads Sing, which is coming out as a film soon. So it'd be yeah. interesting to watch her. But yeah, I think overall it was good. I think my only gripe was that it was on ITV and I'm not a massive fan of ITV documentaries. I think if it was on BBC, it would have been a bit better. It would have been a bit more well-produced. I actually thought the opposite. I actually thought this was one of the better ITV documentaries they had. And I was actually very pleased with how it was all put together. I hate having adverts in the middle of TV because with BBC, you don't have any adverts. I didn't like that factor of things. But I also just want to bring up something that made me chuckle. When the editors of Country Live came to Clarence House to show Camilla the final, not the final, but the like pages, this is so she the pages. edit it down and pick photos and things like yeah. that. Yeah. First off, they were so nervous. And yeah. it just reminds me that regardless of whether you've worked with this person in the past or not, to meet a royal is still like a spectacle, regardless of whether it's a work environment or an engagement or whatever. And then Camilla was going through all the edits and stuff and doing her work. And then Prince Charles came in and he was like, surprise. He didn't say surprise. But it was like a surprise visit, wasn't it? And w- there was a moment where you could see Charles guy gave like this really like cheeky smile to Camilla. Oh, like you've done good. Well done. It was like a glance. It was like an instant where I think you got a glimpse into their relationship and how connected they are and how really well suited they are. And I mentioned this last week in, in the episode that Camilla, in the coming years, she's going to have way more on her plate than she's probably ever had in a whole entire life at the age of 75. So she better buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we thought of the documentary and the magazine. If you managed to watch it wherever you are in the world, let us know your thoughts over on Keeping Up The Windsor's Pod over on Instagram. And don't forget, you can also email us at keepingupthewindsorspod at gmail.com. Yeah, there's plenty of ways to connect with us. Also, we have a YouTube channel, Keeping Up With The Windsors. Head on over there. We've just put up the tiara collection over on Sotheby's that we went to for the Platinum Jubilee with the Spencer tiara Diana actually wore at the wedding. So that was lovely, wasn't it, Rachel? We went there. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So if you want to see a bit of bling, head on over to our YouTube. A bit. There's 50 (laughs) royal and aristocratic tiaras. It's just bling fest. It's a bling fest over there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Shell, talking of that, there's actually an advert of one of the tiaras in this magazine. (laughs) Is there really? What tiara is it? It's the Kiki McDonough one. Oh, is it? Oh, we weren't a massive fan of that, was we? No, we wasn't. No? That's why we were actually trying to to fog it off. (laughs) You can help the podcast stay on the air by supporting us over on Ko-fi. Four pounds or six bucks. It's a one-off, or you can join our membership per month where we give you exclusive content, early access and also a zoom call with rachel and i per month thank you so much for everyone who supports us over on Kofi. this week we're able to get a hard drive with the money that we've raised which is amazing please feel free to share this with anyone you know who loves the royal family as much as we do don't forget if you're listening on spotify on apple on any of the podcasts in which you can leave a review rate or add to a playlist please feel free to do that thank you so much for being here see you next week on keeping up with the windsors Windsors.